conversations that matter to you. We need proper representation. Time for Fridays with Fry. With Russell Fry on the Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers on Talk 94.5. It is 8.34 on the Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers. Here's another request. I'm a hard-working man. Russell. I wear nice. a hard hat. I can ride rope, a hammer and paint. Do things with my hands that most men can't. I can't get ahead no matter how hard I try. I'm getting really good at barely getting by. Sounds like uh, Oliver Anthony. He didn't invent the wheel, did he? No. Nobody no. did. did. Nobody <laughs> did. These themes and these I musical thought, ideas have been around for centuries. I don't know. Is it me, Congressman Fry, or I thought it was a little cheesy for Fox News to play that song during the debate? Yeah, I, I was there, and it was like, I think there was a way to bring it up and tap into it without... It just was so uncomfortably awkward when they brought it up. Like, it was like, we're just going to throw this. It was like word salad, right? Like, they're just going to throw yeah, it in. Did right. you hear what he said yeah, about I them did. using it? I did. I wrote this song about most of them on that stage. Yeah, I did. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. No, I mean, the, it, it just, there's a way, like, people who don't understand working class people, mm-hmm. like, they they see, like, oh, it's number one. And, and oh, my gosh, there's tapping it. But they have no idea because they don't understand it. And they, help, they don't live that world. They've never lived that world. And right. then so when they bring it up, it's like it's like me trying to speak Mandarin Chinese. Like, it's just not, it, it, it's not going to work. And it doesn't sound authentic. Did, did politicians take great offense to it? Or were they like, like, yeah, what he said, you know, like trying to join a team that they're not even remotely on. Well, I don't know. I mean, the, the, at least the folks that I talk to, uh, people that I count on up there, good conservatives, they get it. I mean, they they understand it. They understand the sentiment. They're in their communities every week. They're listening to people. They get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Washington's full of a lot of different people who think in strange ways. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So what did you think about, uh, well, let's say, what did you think about the debate? Did you think anybody shined in particular? Not really. You know, somebody asked me, you know, I'm a, I'm a Trump guy. Everyone knows that. And um, the Trump folks asked me to go, you know, to when I was up there to, to do some media. I can't believe even let you in. Yeah. Being an endorsed candidate right. by Trump. <laughs> so we did a thing with on Rumble with uh, Don Jr. and Kim Guilfoyle, and then we did a Newsmax thing. Um, and I look, at, sometimes you go to a baseball game and you're not really cheering for either team. You're mm-hmm. just kind of watching the, the, the game, so yeah. to speak. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I think there were moments where I thought just some people did well, but then there mm-hmm. were moments that I didn't think they did well at all. And what it showed to me was, you know, compared to 2016, when Trump was the anomaly, right? Yes. Um, on right. the stage, everyone was talking about him, his administration, his record of success, and his policies. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't there, but by all measure, he really won the debate uh, that, at that's the end of what the day. I said. And um, I agree. And people and there, the audience, yeah, that the, was a Trump audience. Yeah, it was. And and people there, you know, obviously there, you know, he wasn't there, and his campaign wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people there that I bumped into, just they're like, "Who are you for?" And I'm like, "Oh, Donald Trump." And they're like, "Oh, us too." And so there was a lot of that there. Uh, I mean, so you had a lot of people who just went to watch it uh, mm-hmm. and went to. But be you there. know what I think is funny? Um, when Caitlyn Collins was interviewing Trump, CNN made a big mistake and let a lot of Trump supporters in, and I think Fox News made a big mistake and let a lot of uh, Trump report. 
um, supporters in. So it's almost like I think we're we're kind of like going under the radar, but we show up. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's a little much. But because uh, we tend to be very loud. Yeah, I think at one point Chris Christie <laughs> was getting booed. I mean, yes, relentlessly. <laughs> and uh, one of the debate hosts had to turn around to the crowd <laughs> and be like, shh, shh, you know, we, we have to get through Let this. Him talk. And, Let know, him talk. So, uh, uh, it, was, it was funny to, like, right. to be there to watch Trump it. Trump mugshot. You've seen a lot of mugshots in your days. That's the best looking mugshot. <laughs> I mean, it was like blue steel. You it know? was great. Um, you ever seen, what was that? Gosh, what was the name of that movie? <laughs> Oh gosh, you know what I'm talking about. Where he's the he's a model. Uh, it's a funny movie, Blue Steel. That was his look. But anyway, it <laughs> look people people. You know, I think they're fired up about that. It not only for the Trump base, uh, but just in general. I mean, people look at that and go, "Wow, mm-hmm. look at the ridiculousness of yeah. this." And compare. I made it my profile to picture. where we are. I mean, they've made I think over twenty million dollars since the mugshot. Which is like a record wow. for the Trump campaign. Yeah. And I think people are just tired of it. They look at that. I mean, Fannie Willis is just, I mean, it, it, it's so partisan. It's so nakedly partisan. People see it. Uh, yeah, what's with Kemp? He, does, he doesn't think that he should start he's a an investigative inquiry into her connections with the Trump, I mean, with the Biden campaign or administrators. Well, and there, there's like, I mean, there's obviously, you know, where there was some there was some connection. And I think that's where oversight's going to, or judiciary is going to come in. Jim Jordan's already signaled that. Oh, yeah? That there's been funds that were appropriated on the federal side. You know, to different district attorneys around the country, this is, you know, we help mm-hmm. support law enforcement. But if they co-mingle those into this, then it becomes a judiciary issue. And we we did this with Alvin Bragg. He challenged us in, in court whether we could even investigate him. Uh, and that was rejected by the court. And so I think the same thing will probably go here. So is that investigation still ongoing? What, with Alvin Bragg? Bragg? Yeah. yeah, that stuff. I mean, but in looking at the 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 nexus between the federal, the, the communication, mm-hmm. yeah. the coordination, all that stuff is mm-hmm. still part of this. And uh, there seems to be like a combi- a, combi- a combining of, you know, local and federal statutes and charging people with crimes. And like Mark Meadows was saying, like, no, this shouldn't be here in this county. Yeah. Well, and again, it goes back to at least as it pertains to Trump. It goes back to my point, um, which is when I filed this bill in in April, and I'm really hoping that we get what they call a markup where we deal with it in committee. Um, And I think it makes total sense. Presidents are different than the rest of us, former presidents. They're Mm -hmm. just, you're a president, you're always a president, and uh, you always have that title, and you're you're just a little bit different. And what we see happening now is district attorneys, state district attorneys, who are elected in very small jurisdictions, finding ways in which they can make political hay or political noise mm-hmm. out of going after, in this case, Donald Trump. Right. I just think it's just a, it's a bad, it's a bad move as a country. Yes. I think everyone gets that. Your listeners totally understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having the ability to remove a case, you don't have to. But if Trump said, you know what, like, I'll, I'll go in that jurisdiction. I'll be, you know, we'll get a fair jury. Uh, we'll get a fair judge. But having the ability to remove it if you don't feel like you're going to get a fair mm-hmm. shake. Look, the jury box is one of the biggest protectors of our liberty yeah, ever. And yeah. when you have a jury box, say Washington, D.C., where 92% of the people voted against you, mm-hmm. how are you going to get a fair shake? Yeah, because the point you have, that's a real, actually, I never really thought about that. So this is a person that people actually vote for. Right. 
like everywhere. Right. Or they could choose not to vote. But the point is they can either vote for you, against you. And if I mean, that should be a, a prerequisite question. Like, did you vote in the election? If you voted, then you shouldn't be on the jury because that means you have a choice. Well, about it just, that well, person. It just, it was particularly like, you know, if it's a 50-50 kind of place, like you can p- p- pick a jury. But if it's 92% like Washington, D.C. that voted for Biden as opposed to Trump, look at what what is that? I mean, ha- I could not imagine trying to screen a massive pool <laughs> right. of people on yeah. where they voted. Are they going to be truly independent mm-hmm. or not? Yeah. It's just a nightmare. Right. And, and so you want to have a fair shake. Justice is blind. You might not think that the charges are legitimate and there's a court process that helps deal with that. But at the end of the day, you want, government has to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. That's their job. Um, but if you have a jury that you have a jury that's sympathetic yeah. because they don't like you as a person or you don't, they don't like you politically, how are you going to get a fair shake? So yeah. district attorney, Alan Bragg, Manhattan's the same way. I mean, I could not mm-hmm. imagine being yeah. a jury there and, and where Fannie Willis's district is mm-hmm. in Georgia. Yeah. yeah. I think it was like 72, 73% for Biden. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just that's just a tidal wave mm-hmm. of uh, and and trying to screen that from a jury perspective. So president should always be able to remove it to federal court. Period. I think Trump in this case actually has a lot of arguments to make to remove it to federal court. Uh, I don't think they've made that move yet, or that I know that it hasn't been ruled on. But mm-hmm. Mark Meadows certainly has. He's yeah. trying to get it removed right. because it all dealt with actions that they took. Uh, took while or didn't office. take while they were in office, mm-hmm. and so then it becomes a federal issue. Yeah. We're speaking with Congressman Russell Fry. Before we run out of time, we've heard Representative Comer. I, I think the last time I even talked to you, you were saying, I think it's time. I think we're getting ready for the impeachment inquiry. It's getting close. It's getting close. Uh, what do you see happening? When are you back in session? And when does this get started? And what is an impeachment inquiry? Well, so we go in um, uh, after Labor Day, on the I think right after September 11th. So 12th, we'll be flying back up there. Uh, dealing with the appropriation stuff. This is ready. I mean, we are beyond ready. It was ready months ago, quite frankly, in my opinion, uh, for an impeachment inquiry. What an impeachment inquiry does, it doesn't mean impeachment. It means that there is a formal process that is set up to explore whether or not the president or any officer is worthy of an impeachment. Impeachment is set out in the Constitution, right? It is one of the 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 checks that Congress has against an administration. And so when you do an inquiry, it actually makes your arguments in court. If you're challenged on getting documents or whatever, Mm -hmm. it makes your arguments in court that much stronger because you don't have to say, well, you know, they would say, this is just a fishing expedition, blah, 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 blah. They don't have any authority. They're just doing, uh, they don't have any authority to look at this. But if you have an inquiry and it's based and that's the purpose of it is to explore whether or not you're going to do that then your Article One authority is that much stronger. Mm. And and okay. so... Um, and it, it seems we keep talking about it because um, we're all growing extremely impatient. Right. And so and what I, how I understand it is you have to have a really strong case, putting a very clear connection between Joe Biden and the corruption with his son, because... Otherwise, it's not going to go anywhere. And right. all of this is for naught. But I have a question for you. Yeah. Are you looking more at the connection, uh, the incriminating connection between Biden and Hunter Biden's business dealings with foreign governments mm-hmm. in way of the firing of the prosecutor in Ukraine? Or 
Is it more about the phone call where Hunter Biden says, my father is sitting right next to me? I think it's all of the above, right? So you have texts, you have WhatsApp messages, you have uh, FD 1023s, you have emails using pseudonyms, you have foreign money that is that's from multiple countries that have come in, I think, you know, tens of millions of dollars at this point, and it's growing. You have, um, most recently, you the have Hunter Biden going with mm-hmm. Joe as vice president on 15 trips uh, to further his business deals. The bank activity, suspicious. Yeah, bizarre. I mean, there's just so much. And so I think all of these things kind of culminate, and people see it. Like, right? I mean, if you just took one of those and isolated it, you could, I don't think successfully, but you could make the argument well, it's just maybe a one-off case or whatever, but there's mm-hmm. just so much there. And, well, I was and, just wondering if one scenario had more meat to it than well, another. To, to me, I think the big thing is uh, the, the Ukraine thing is the most obvious um, to me. And and again, I think there are some things that you know you still need to tie up and make sure you got tight. But where you have money, where you have him being hired. And if you read the FD 1023, it says, well, he was dumb. He's dumber than my dog. Uh, But we put him on the board because of his access to Washington, Mm -hmm. basically. And then there's this meeting in Dubai. And in the Dubai, Devin Archer talked about this in his testimony. And in Dubai, the uh, Burisma executives asked Hunter to call Washington because they were having problems with this prosecutor. And then you have Joe Biden later in a video. And this was like the impetus for a lot of this. He brags about getting the prosecutor fired. And so when you if you look at that, like, is there do we have a direct conversation a recording that said Hunter well, saying, Dad, will you get them fired? Newsmax but said you, they have some right. kind of. <laughs> but you have all of this stuff. And if you paint the timeline and look at the timeline, it adds up. Well, it adds, totally adds up. And so this isn't, unlike the Democrats with the, the Trump uh, impeachment, there's actually legitimate stuff here. And I think it's mer- it's meritorious enough at this point that we need to go down that route. Now, okay, oh, Nick. It's ready. I say, none of this happens without Joe Biden. He is the product. Yeah. So, I mean, they insulated him with all of these. Uh, who do you know that has six grandchildren with LLCs? Yeah. And millions of dollars deposited into all those accounts. Uh, I mean, you know. That th- alone is just. Th- that's what I mean. Obvious. I mean, th- you're not going to see him video taking the cash. Right. Well, and, and look, you don't, you're not, you're exactly right on that. You're not going to see him on video doing that. But. They talk about the brand, right? I mean, Devin Archer said that Biden was the brand and the the idea of influence. And if I hire you, Nick, to do something, I'm paying you or your LLC directly. Here, you have layer on layer where it's going through like these weird foreign companies, and then it goes to a Biden family associate, and then it's kind of split up into members of the Biden family, 20 LLCs, you know, 20 plus million dollars. Uh, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't pass the smell test. And there's so much there when you have, you know, the big guy and you have, you know, 10% mm-hmm. to the big guy. And, um, you know, my, I'm sitting next to my father and he wants to, you know, and then you have the, st- the, the, the other end of this, too. So the one coin, the one side of the coin is the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden stuff. The other side to this coin is the cover up. And mm. where you have the Department of Justice, I mean, it, even now there's some stuff that was uh, came out what yesterday, that that Maine Department of Justice. So this is Washington D.C. Yeah. DOJ. They were talking to the whistleblower's attorney, and then they were running back and they met with Hunter Biden's lawyer. Like, 
if what? Weiss was ever truly independent, which no one <laughs> believes, if he was truly independent, none of this would have happened. He would wow. have been running the show. Right. But you have Brad Weinsheimer, uh, who worked for Washington DOJ, who was meeting with the whistleblower's attorney prior to them testifying, and then running back over here and meeting with Hunter Biden's lawyer and Leslie Wolf, And then... Shapley is removed from the case, and the next day they offer this incredibly sweetheart deal to the Bidens. Like, he's never been independent. That's why Weiss has no business touching this. Mm -hmm. One, because he hasn't done his job faithfully and has been a disaster. And two, there's been substantial interference. Mm -hmm. He's never had the ability to, to charge the way that he wanted to. I have to ask you, you mentioned emails. There's 5,400 emails that you guys are trying to get. Correct. And you mentioned that um, they're on their way. Well, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, we'll see. Um, so the 5,400 emails deal with Biden's pseudonyms. So Robert Peters and, you know, there's like three or four other pseudonyms that they mm-hmm. use, fake email addresses. And so we ask for any emails in the National Archives that those email addresses are copied to. Um, and so we, you know, got that information and then we were trying to get these emails. And so the way that it works is we offer a subpoena or we, we offer, we send a subpoena to the national archives and because it deals with the prior administration, meaning Obama Mm -hmm. and Biden, um, in order to release those to Congress, Mm -hmm. it takes the blessing of Obama and Biden. Now to Hmm. Obama's point. Uh, in fairness, this is a kind of weird story. Uh, Senator Johnson talked to, told me this a couple uh, last week, actually, when we were in Milwaukee. He said that when they did that before, Obama actually released some emails. So we'll see if they do that again. But again, it has to go through that process of prior administration. This happened during Obama's administration. They have to okay the release. And if Biden, if Joe Biden claims that he's For the some most reason, transparent, that doesn't seem right to me. Because yeah, it's weird. It should be a public it's information. Correct. Or... It's weird. But yeah. uh, that's at least the process now. So Joe Biden claims that he's the most transparent administration <laughs> I <know>. ever. Um, <laughs> I don't believe that. Yeah. But uh, we'll see if they decide to do that. But that'll be that's the at least where it's at. They're, they're willing to they've they've gathered those emails. They mm-hmm. have them ready. They're waiting for the signature of the seal okay. of approval. Um, but if not, that becomes an even bigger issue because, again, it just it goes back to the whole thing is every time we try to get something, mm-hmm. there's just somebody in the way. There's always something. Yes, there's right. always some excuse. Well, they're not going to make it easy for no, you. No, they're yeah. not. And But but we've had, I mean, to, to, to the committee's credit, there's been great success in getting these things mm-hmm. out to the American people. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done. But I think the focus is very much clearer now than it was, say, in February. All right. Um, we just have 30 seconds here. Congressman Fry. Has anyone reached out to you regarding um, suffering from damage from Tropical Storm Idalia? I've seen some of the the um, you know the homes. I saw the road thirty one. I think had some some yep. problems with it. Yeah, uh, we had a call yesterday with FEMA. Uh, they're on it, uh, and so um, we've heard from that. I don't know that our, my office has heard from anyone directly, but okay. again, if if there's a way that we can help with FEMA or whomever. We're, we're happy to assist, and we're, we're willing and able to do that. I think we were largely spared. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know there was that tornado up in um, Cherry, Cherry Grove, Grove yeah. and a couple other places and, and some flooding, but largely spared. The tides really helped. Uh, mm-hmm. It was low tide when that thing rolled through yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Timing was good. Yeah. 
which could have been a catastrophe. Even and it moved so. really quick, which was great. Yeah. I mean, it was a fast moving storm. Yeah, absolutely. Congressman Russell Fry, thank you for joining us for another edition of Fridays with Fry. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Always a pleasure. Have to a be great here. Thank weekend. Y'all. Enjoy the baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big boy. The Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers back in a bit on Talk 94.5. All right. How old is little James now? He is six. Six years first old. Grade. Oh, my gosh. So oh, cute. Yeah. I saw his first day of school picture. Adorable. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Russell. Thank you all.